0: Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonychurchFamily.org. Uh, I've, I've been kind of teasing Amber this week because we're she's all geared for Easter, like getting ready for Easter. And I'm like, you can't forget about Palm Sunday. I mean, it's the triumphal entry. So uh you know, so it's so today's Palm Sunday. I love Palm Sunday. Uh, the, the story of Jesus riding into town. Uh, with the palm branches, there is so much meaning packed into this little story. Uh, of Jesus coming into town and the crowd shouting Hosanna and waving the palm branches. There's so many, so many things prophetically happening in this moment. And honestly, we don't have time to unpack even half of what's happening in this story. But, but I I think a lot of times because Easter's next week, we kind of bypass Palm Sunday a little bit. So let's just revel a little bit this morning in the triumphal entry. Amen. Let's, let's dive in to that. Um, I'm going to read you two, two accounts uh, from two different Gospels. Uh, the, the triumphal entry is interesting because it's one of only ten events that is recorded in all four of the Synoptic Gospels. And uh, each of the synoptic gospels kind of brings a new layer uh, to the story. So to really be able to grasp, to understand all that took place uh, on that day, you really need to look at all of the events. I'm not going to read all four of them to you, but I am going to read at least two. All right. So you all ready for some scripture? We love the word, don't we? Amen. We love the word. You know what? I didn't even pray yet, did I? Maybe I should pray real fast. Let me pray. I'm going to need some prayer this morning. You all want me to pray this morning. So Jesus... God, I thank you for your presence here. I thank you for this word, God. I thank you for your word, Jesus, the scriptures. Lord, I thank you that you have given us the scriptures that we may know who you are and what you look like. God, that through the scriptures, we know the very character and goodness of God. And God, I thank you that today that you are gonna reveal yourself to us through the scriptures once again, through this story of the triumphal entry. God, I pray that your presence would be here. I pray that your anointing, would rest on these words this morning. And God, that we would be able to better understand your love as we walk out of the doors this afternoon. God, we bless you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Open your Bible first here to Matthew chapter 21. We're going to start in verse 1. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, or now, yeah, now when they drew near to Jerusalem and to Bethpage, At the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord has need of them, and immediately they will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of by the prophet saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the fowl of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt and laid their clothes on him and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Mark chapter 11 gives us another account. It says, now when they drew near to Jerusalem and Bethpage in Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and he said to them, go into the village opposite you. And as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it. You know, I want to try that sometime. Hey, hey, uh, Eddie, the Lord has need of your convertible. I just want you to know. (laughs) The Lord said it, man. I, I don't know what to tell you. So they went their way. "...and found the colt tied by the door outside on the street, and they loosed it. Someone, or, but some of those who stood there said to them, "'What are you doing loosing the colt?' And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded, so they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road." The other gospels are the ones that tell us that they were palm branches that they used. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna and the highest. And Jesus went into Jerusalem, into the temple. So when he had looked around all the things, or so when he had looked around at all the things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So this story can be found, like I said, in all four of the Synoptic Gospels. Jesus is in his final days of ministry. He has spent 33 and a half years revealing who the father is. He has spent 33 and a half years uh, expanding the kingdom of God, working miracles and showing that he is the son of God. And now he is entering into his final days, his final march towards the cross. And, and so he's making his final march towards the cross and he comes to the Mount of Olives, to the base of the Mount of Olives and he knows what's just ahead in the next village. He knows that as soon as he steps into the next village, that people are going to come out, crowds, multitudes are going to come out, that there's going to be, they're, they're going to pull these, these leaves, these palm branches and begin waving them, which the palm branches in themselves, they, they signify and they, they have a prophetic meaning. The palm branches in those days meant something to that culture. That palm branches used to grow in the dry desert climate. And they withstood the lack of water, the lack of nutrition, and they withstood the heat from the desert. And despite the lack of nutrition, the lack of water, and the, lack, or the, and the heat in the desert, they still grew and flourished in the desert. So in that culture, the palm branch meant, the palm branch uh, uh, was signifying victory over certain death. Victory over death. So what are they doing? They're waving these palm branches, prophesying what Jesus is about to do and conquering death, hell, and the grave. So they're waving these palm branches. They're going to begin shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. That word Hosanna is dripping with meaning. The word Hosanna literally means be our savior or Lord come and help us. It was the word that the priest would use as they stood around the, ta- or the table of, of burnt offering. Um, during the the festival of, I think you pronounce it Suku or something like that, Suko, During one of their festivals, these priests, they would stand around the temple of burnt offering. And as the burnt offering was rising in the air, they would cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna, Lord, which means again, Lord help us. And then they would pray that the Lord would bless the upcoming growing season and that he would send the rain. So they would, they would pray, Hosanna, Lord, come and help us. And so the crowds are now declaring to Jesus... Lord, be our savior, be our savior. Not only was this word this this word mean be our savior, but in Psalms one eighteen, that the word Hosanna can be found in, in Psalms one eighteen, and Psalms one eighteen is a uh, is a psalm that is um, that is prophesying about the coming Messiah that is prophesying about the coming Messiah. So now, now, because of Psalm 118, the word Hosanna now takes on a messianic meaning. So now when they cry out Hosanna, they're not just asking for the Lord to help, but they are declaring, they are asking for the Messiah to come, the promised one of Israel that was gonna come and deliver them from their bondage. And so the crowds are now shouting Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest. All of these things, and there's so many more things, all of these things are coming together. They are types and shadows from the old covenant, covenant prophesying about this moment when the Messiah would come and establish his kingdom, when the world would recognize him as the Messiah. Talk about a big day. Talk about a big day. And as Jesus was preparing for this moment, he had to decide how he was going to make his big entrance. How was he going to come into the city? Most kings that rode through their kingdom did so on a fierce war horse. They did so on a chariot. They either either came in on a war horse or they rode in on a chariot so that others would see their glory so they can insert their dominance on their kingdom and show that they are high and they are valuable. And so most kings would do that, but Jesus doesn't. Jesus doesn't choose to ride in on a war horse or on a chariot. But instead, Jesus sends two disciples into the village, not for a war horse or a chariot, but for a donkey. A beast of burden is what they called donkeys in the day. Beast of burden. Why were they called beast of burden? They were called beast of burden because their job was to carry supplies. Their job was to carry not kings, Not priests. Their job was to carry ordinary people who could not afford the war horse or the chariot. Their job was to labor in the fields. They were not glorious animals. They were beasts of burden. They were made to carry the weight that nobody else wanted to carry. And Jesus sends His disciples, and not for a warhorse or chariot, but for this beast of burden. So, when Jesus is about to ride into his triumphal entry, why would he choose the donkey? Why would he choose the beast of burden? The first thing you might say is, well, It's because it was prophesied, right? It even says there in all four of the Synoptic Gospels that this moment was prophesied by the prophet Zechariah in Zechariah chapter nine, that the king would come in riding on a donkey. Let's go ahead and read that right now. Zechariah chapter nine, starting in verse nine. It says, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just in having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the fowl of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horses from Jerusalem, the battle bow. The battle bow shall be cut off. He shall speak peace to the nations. And I love this next part. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from river to the ends of the earth. It reminds me of Isaiah chapter 9, that he, his kingdom and his glory, to the peace of his kingdom and glory there shall be no end. Amen. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from river to the ends of the earth. Jesus, riding in on a donkey, did fulfill Zechariah's prophecy. But I don't believe this was the sole reason Jesus rode on the donkey. You know, Jesus fulfilled over 400 prophecies. Over 400 prophecies of himself while he was on this earth. Now, here's the thing. I don't think Jesus carried around a grocery list of prophecies that he would pull out every now and then and go... Hmm. Ride in on a donkey. All right. Bartholomew, Thaddeus. Most of you didn't even know those were disciples, did you? That's why I use those guys. You know, they don't get enough credit. So I thought I would give them some credit. The Bible doesn't tell us who it was that he sent, but since he didn't say, I'm just going to say it was Bart, old Barth, and Thaddeus, okay? So he didn't pull out that, that list and say, okay, I need to ride in on a donkey. Bart, Thaddeus, go get me a donkey. Right? He didn't do that. What did he do? Why why did he ride in on a donkey? See, Jesus wasn't following the voice of Zechariah or any other prophets. He was following the voice that was instructing those prophets. Jesus didn't aim at fulfilling prophecy. Jesus aimed at listening and doing whatever his father said. John chapter 5 Verse 19, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. Jesus' aim was not at fulfilling prophecy. Jesus' aim was at listening and doing whatever the father said and did. So in that moment, Jesus wasn't trying to fulfill the prophecy of Zechariah 9. Jesus was just being obedient to his father. And listen, some of us are chasing after our own prophecies. Maybe they're actual prophetic words. You know, I, I, I've had many prophetic words given to me over my life. Some of you, many of you have been given prophetic words. So maybe you're, you have those words and you're chasing after those. And it's good to pray into those. It's good to seek those. Um, but maybe, maybe some of you, it's not necessarily that kind of prophetic word. Maybe it's the prophecy we give ourselves of the expectation of who we think we should be. Maybe it's the expectation of not just who we think we should be, but who others think we should be. And we spin our wheels and our energy trying to become somebody who we think we who we ourselves think we should be or becoming somebody who somebody else thinks we should be. And we do things to become that person. And I want to challenge you this morning that instead of 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 spinning our wheels and our energy trying to become somebody, how about we instead just tune our ear to the Father and do whatever he says and say whatever he says. Jesus never aimed at fulfilling the prophecy. He never aimed at becoming who he was supposed to be. He just listened to the Father. And because of him listening and obeying the Father, he was always exactly where he needed to be. And when we tune our ears to the Father... And when we do and obey what he's asked us to do and to say and to, do and to obey, then we're always gonna find ourselves exactly where we need to be. And we are going to be the people he has intended us to be, amen? amen. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus never set out to fulfill the 400 expectations on his life. He just tuned his ear to the Father and did what he saw the Father do. And we will be right where we're supposed to be if our goal is not to become the legend we see in our own mind, but instead to hang on every word he speaks. Amen? Amen. So yes, Jesus did fulfill the prophecy by riding in on the donkey, but that still doesn't answer the question, why was it prophesied in the first place? Why did Zechariah prophesy in the first place? Was it an error on Zechariah's part? Did God whisper in his ear and say the, the king would come riding in on a war horse and Zechariah accidentally wrote donkey? And so God was like, well, I guess we're just going to have to go with it, Jesus. You know, <laughs> why, why did he prophesy that he would come riding in on a donkey? What was the purpose? Why the donkey? I believe that God never does anything by accident. Why the donkey? Why did the promised Messiah, the Son of God, the most holy man who ever lived, choose the beast of burden to carry him in to one of his most victorious hours? Why the donkey? I believe he chose the donkey for the same reason he chose the tax collector as a disciple. I believe he chose the donkey for the same reason he chose the fisherman to be the rock of the church. I believe he chose the donkey for the same reason he chose a murderer, religious zealot, to give the greatest revelations of the kingdom to and write two-thirds of the New Testament. He chose the donkey for the same reason he chose to spend time with prostitutes and sinners instead of kings and priests. He rode in on the donkey to show us that he uses the weak and the ordinary To carry the weight of his glory. He uses the weak. And the ordinary. To carry the weight of his glory. He chose the donkey because he wanted to show us that he chooses the humble. And the meek. To carry the weight of his glory. He rode the donkey. To say the world may never choose you. But I do. The world may never see your value or your importance. The world may use you and abuse you. But I choose you to not carry a heavy burden. But I choose you to carry the weight of glory. The weight of the Son of God. The world may never choose you, but he does. I think it's interesting that they called the donkey the beast of burden. That phrase stood out to me this week as I was studying this, the beast of burden. I think sometimes we can be beasts of burden. We carry the burdens of our own sins and our own failures. Never able to forgive ourselves for the things we've done and the ways that we've messed up. Sometimes we do like the, uh, the people who put the titles above the chapters in the Bible. And, and they call people by their failure instead of their the way this king sees them and the way they end up after Jesus. And sometimes we carry that burden of our sins and our failures and it becomes our identity and we become beasts of burden carrying our failures. We become beasts of burdens when we carry anxieties and depression and things that are heavy on our backs, that the world has put upon us, that things of this life have put on us. Sometimes we become beasts of burdens when we're trying to fulfill those expectations, when we know we should be here, but we keep on just coming up short every time. And we carry the burden of expectations. We carry the burden of of unfulfilled expectations of ourselves and maybe others around us. And we become beasts of burden. Tied as the donkey was to a post, bound by a rope and by our burdens. We have become beasts of burden. I believe Jesus chose the donkey to show us this scripture here in Matthew 11 Come to me, all you who will labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus chose the beast of burden to show us that we can trade in that burden that we carry for a better burden that we can trade in the burden that we have been trained and accustomed to carry on our backs. We can trade that in. We can trade that weight in for the superior weight of glory. Come to me, all you are weary, and find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Praise you, Lord. I want to show you something else interesting about this passage. As I said earlier, the triumphant entry is only one uh, or is, is one event of 10 that is recorded in all four of the Synoptic Gospels. Mark and Luke give us insight that Matthew and John didn't tell us. Let me show you what I mean here. So Mark 11, chapter two, it says, And he said to them, Go into the village opposite you. And as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it to me. So Luke tells us here that not only is it a young colt, but it's a young colt that has never been ridden, which is interesting because the prophecy in Zechariah never said that it had to be a colt that had never been sat on. It just had to be a young colt, right? So Jesus adds this detail to the disciples. He says, I want you to go into the village and find a colt, but not just any colt. This colt had never had a burden laid on his back. It had never had a burden laid on his back. This colt had never been broken. This colt is wild and untamed. And so Luke tells us this this extra detail about the colt that Jesus sent the disciples to get but it, but Matthew gives us a little bit more detail in verse 2 Matthew tells us go into the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her loose them and bring them to me verse 7 says they brought the donkey and the colt laid their clothes on them and set him on them. Now, I don't know about you, but I have never seen this before in Scripture until this week. Most of us know that there was a young colt that Jesus rode in. But a lot of, I think, maybe you're smarter than I am. I don't know. Maybe you've seen this. But Matthew tells us it was not just a young colt. That there was actually two animals that they brought to Jesus. There was the young colt and the colt's mother. And Jesus said, get both of them and bring them to me. There was the young colt that had never been ridden, that was untamed, that had never had a burden placed on his back. And he told him, bring the mother who has been trained, who does know what it is to have burden and weight upon their backs. And he says, bring them both to me. And it says to prepare both of them, that the disciples laid their clothes on both of them as a way for Jesus to ride upon them. And it says that they set him on both of the donkeys. Now, I don't know how that works, but it says he set them on, set Jesus on the donkey who knows what it's like to carry burden and the donkey who doesn't know what it is to carry burden. What's the significance of that? I believe Jesus is telling us something here. That he untied both of them from their bondage. The one who did no burden and the one who didn't. He loosed them both and they both walked the Messiah in together. So there are two pictures here. One who carried other weights but now gets to carry the weight of glory and one who has known no other way than the way of glory. And here's the picture that I believe Jesus is setting for us. That the way of glory does not just belong to one generation. The way of glory does not just belong to the young generation or to the old generation, but the way of glory is shared by every generation. The weight of glory is shared by every generation. Everyone in this room, whether you're 12 years old or 95, you were made to carry glory. You were made to carry glory. The weight of glory that God wants to pour out on this earth, you were made to be a carrier of that glory. And to carry it into the world around you. So there's that picture of the generations. Both are made to carry glory. But here's the other interesting thing. There's the beast of burden who knows what it is to carry weight that has now traded that weight in for a superior weight. Amen. He traded, she traded that weight in that she used to carry for superior weight. And listen, I, I want to have some prayer here at the end for those this morning that are carrying that weight of burden still upon you. I want you to I have some prayer this morning that you would be able to trade that weight of burden in for the superior weight, that his burden is easy and his burden is light. Amen? So you have that donkey that has, knows what it is to carry burden, but then you also have this other donkey who is wild, and untamed, and does not know what it's like to have any weight on their back, but the first, (laughs) thank you Jesus, their first encounter with weight is not the weight of this world, but it's the weight of Jesus. That the young donkey who has never carried any burdens, their first encounter with a burden is the burden of the Lord. And here's what I want to say this morning. And now I am talking to the older generation, to all of us in this room, all of us that have carried the burdens of this world who have now found what it's like to carry the weight of glory instead. To all of us who have traded in the weight of burden of this world for the glory of the Lord. What would it look like if we so walked in that weight that our kids their first encounter with weight was the weight of his glory. What would happen, I'll even go this far, what would happen if we so walked in the weight of his glory that our kids never had to know even another kind of weight? That we would truly go from glory to glory to glory and put that idea, that passage, into the context of generations. That the glory we experience would just be the first stepping stone of the glory the next generation gets to experience. What if we can walk in so much in the freedom of Christ, that we can walk so in the freedom of Christ that we don't hand our children an inferior burden, but instead we get to hand them a superior burden? That instead of showing them the weight of this world, they get to experience the weight of glory of the Father. And that their encounter with that weight would set them up for the rest of their life. That when any other weight tries to put itself on its back, they would say, no, 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 no. There's a better weight. I've experienced a better weight of glory. And I choose to walk in that. The generations coming together. He didn't just choose the young donkey. He chose the mother as well. And they carried the weight of the glory of the king into the triumphal entry together. Amen. Go ahead and stand with me this morning. Father, I just pray right now, just first of all, as a body of believers, as a congregation and a family that comes together, God, I pray that the weight that rests on this house would be the weight of your glory. That the weight that rests on this house would be the weight of your glory, Jesus. God, I pray the weight of your presence would be in this room every time we come together. Father, I pray for individuals now that may be carrying a heavy burden. God, that I've had the weight of the world on their shoulders, whether it's the weight of a past failure or maybe even a current failure. And they're carrying that guilt and that condemnation. They're carrying the weight of their sins. God, I pray that today they would experience a great exchange. That the weight of that condemnation would be lifted off of them and the weight of your glory would be placed on them instead. That the weight of your glory would be placed on their shoulders. God, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. That the old man is dead and behold, all things are new. God, that today they would embrace the newness of life that is in them through your son, Jesus and that the burden that they carry of their sin would be taken off so that the weight of your glory can rest upon them, Jesus. Father, those that are maybe carrying weights of unmet expectations, maybe they're not where they want to be in life. Maybe they think they're missing something in their life or maybe they don't have the right job or career yet. Maybe they don't have uh, the spouse that they think they should have. Maybe they're not living in the house that they think they think they should have or have the kids that they think they should have. Father, and they're carrying that weight of expectation. Father, I pray that that burden would be taken off of them right now in Jesus' name, and that the weight of your glory would fall on them. And God, that they would not aim at becoming the legend that they have in their own mind, but instead they would aim at hearing your voice and obeying its every command. God, that they would not tune their ear into the expectations of the world or their own expectations, but instead they would tune their ear in to the voice of the Father that leads them and guides them, that puts them right exactly where they're meant to be. God, remove that burden of expectation off of them now in Jesus' name. Remove, I say it again, remove that burden of expectation off of them now in Jesus' name and replace it with the weight of your glory, Father. God, replace it instead. They've been in, uh, there's even, I believe, a weight of anxiety that is on someone. A burden of anxiety, a burden of depression and anxiety. And I declare over you today that my yoke is easy. It says, Come to me, all you who are are laborous and heavy laden. It says that I will give you rest. I declare now over those who are carrying the burden of anxiety and depression, I declare rest for your mind right now in Jesus' name. I declare rest for your mind that as you take that yoke <laughs> his yoke upon you as you as he sets his glory upon you that you will find rest for your souls in Jesus' name, God, I declare that rest over them right now. God, that that rest would fall on them. God, that, they would, that their body has been so tense. Their muscles have been so tense. And their, even their chest has been tight. God, I declare even right now that there's just this calm that is coming upon them right now. There's this calm that is coming upon them right now. They're going to feel that burden lifted off of their shoulders Their muscles, I declare even their muscles right now are relaxing. And that there's a peace that rests on you now as you carry the weight of glory and you release the burden of anxiety. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I declare over us this morning that we are no longer beasts of burden, but we are vessels of glory. We are vessels. We are carriers. There it is. We are carriers of glory. We are carriers of glory that just as those donkeys were able to carry the son of God, the Messiah into the triumphal entry, that wherever we go, Whatever place we find ourselves in, whether it's our workplace, whether it's our home, whether it's the supermarket, whether it's in church, wherever we go, we are carriers of that weight of glory. And because that glory sets on us, that when others see us, they see the Son of God. When others see us, they don't see just another person carrying a burden, but they see someone who has been set free, who has been untethered, and who has been released from their burden, and who is now carrying the presence of God wherever they go.